Poised for Exit is a show for business owners who want to achieve a successful future exit based on their own terms. Your business exit will likely be the biggest financial transaction of your life, and for most, you'll have one shot at doing it right. The topic and guests we feature and the stories they share will provide valuable ideas and strategies to improve operations and grow enterprise value so you can achieve the best possible exit outcome. Now here's your host, Julie Keys. Welcome everyone to Poised for Exit, the podcast show for business owners. As you heard in our intro, this show is for owners of privately held businesses and their advisors that shares timely advice on how to grow your enterprise value and learn about the process of exit planning. If you're looking for that, you're in the right place. Exit planning is time-consuming and can be complicated. The purpose of this show is to unpack some of those complexities and help you successfully transition from your business. Our topic for today's episode is on what you need to know when it comes to risk management insurance. This is an especially important topic, as I'm sure you can attest to. And I will also say that it tends to be one of the most overlooked aspects of exit planning, which is why we're talking about it today. But before we do that, I would like to introduce our sponsors, JAK CPAs and Sunbelt Business Advisors. Many business owners planning a business transition often feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start. I'm Kyla Hansen, a partner at JAK CPAs. We can guide you to make sense of the numbers and the tax pieces of your transition. Leaving your business successfully takes time, so contact us today to discuss your situation. Visit our website at www.jakcpa.com. You give your business everything, but now you have a decision to make. Should you grow or go? Every business owner will exit their business someday. It's a big personal and financial decision. The best business owners know what their business is worth, and they know their options. Sunbelt Business Advisors can help you understand what your business is worth now and how to net the most when you sell. And if your business isn't ready for sale, we will show you how to get it ready. Here's the best part. Sunbelt gets paid when you get paid at the closing table. And if you aren't ready to exit your business right now, but you want to know what your company is worth, Sunbelt will meet with you for no charge, no cost, no commitment, absolutely confidentially. So whether you're ready to go or still working on your grow, meet with Sunbelt now. The world's largest business brokerage firm is ready to help you. Call 612-455-0880. 612-455-0880. That's 612-455-0880. Or go to sunbeltminnesota.com. sunbeltminnesota.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here today with Joe Hausman, who is the vice president with Hayes Companies and Brown & Brown Insurance. Joe, welcome to Poised for Exit. Thanks for having me, Julie. Absolutely. Great to have you. As is customary with the show, I like to have our guests just share a little bit about themselves and maybe give us some of your background. I know there's a ton of expertise that you have in so many different areas. I mean, it's way beyond insurance. It's so impressive. I mean, we could be talking about that for a long time, but um, we'll just a little snippet, right? Tell us some things about you, and um, then we'll move into the questions. Sure. Thanks. Um, I like to start from the top. I spent the first decade of my business career in public accounting, so I served a lot of private business owners, primarily with a tax view. So uh, a lot of those individuals grew their business from scratch. A lot of them um, purchased businesses along the way, and they were very entrepreneurial. Um, and so uh, many private families around town is where I kind of got my, my start. Uh, when I decided to get out of the CPA world. Uh, I joined Hayes Companies and I was kind of in their back office as their tax guy, but also got a lot of special projects. And so was able to see how the insurance brokerage world worked 
from uh, IT, you know, HR, legal, accounting, all things back office, and took on a lot of special projects. As part of that role, I also got to, you know, work with the family and some of the other shareholders on some of their private investments. And mm. so it would, uh, you know, might be a small manufacturing company, a, a business services company, but they were out in the marketplace making business relationships. And so I got to be a part of some of their investments and um, ultimately helped advise them on their exit with Brown and Brown in 2018. So I got to see all aspects of that deal and be involved, you know, throughout that process. Great learning experience, um, but it also put me into a pivot point. And so I missed client service. I missed being part of the revenue side of the equation. And I had started to get to know the insurance world and said, hey, you know what? I'd like to sign up with the buyer, Brown and Brown, and, you know, get to know that even more. So I've been full-time in that role for about two years, um, focusing, again, with my skill set in private equity and transactions I'm just pivoting that into the insurance world. So private equity transactions and in the insurance world, how does that all mix together? Uh, in today's environment, it actually mixes quite well. Sure. Um, there's a ton of transactions going on, which you know. And so as, as you think about, you know, my background, you know, I could be super technical in tax. Well, I'm not anymore because we went through tax reform. Uh, <laughs> from an insurance standpoint, you know, there, there's a lot of nuances as a a buyer acquiring a company, what do their employee benefits look like? Are there synergies that you can explore in terms of taking two employee pools and putting them together? Um, you know, lowering the cost of the overall employee spend. On the flip side, um, for a person that has built a business from scratch all the way up to an exit point, um, you know, it's very emotional for them and a lot of the employees are their friends. And so once you join that next um, you know, bigger company, what does it look like for them? You know, I've seen instances where they're going from a, a, a plan where they have a, a very rich employee plan. They don't have to pay a lot out of pocket. And then when the buyer takes them on, now all of a sudden they are paying a lot more out of pocket because yeah. the employer employee blend is mixed. So mm -hmm. just one example of, you know, how the insurance world, you know, works with, with uh, transactions. Really interesting. So how are you brought in? Tell me, just share an example. On yeah, that. it's it's funny because I started with employee benefits, but I'm uh, more of a finance background. So I actually focus more on the property and casualty world. Okay. Uh, I work primarily on the buy side. And so if there's a middle market private equity firm or one of my private family clients is looking to acquire a business, they'll say, hey, we're going to go do tax, Q of E, uh, legal, environmental, all these due diligence streams, we should do insurance as well and see what the current, you know, risk appetite is for the, the target company and how have they addressed risk? How have they run their business to date and what is their risk management philosophy and how will that then fit in with, with the, the acquiring companies? So we actually come and we will, you know, review all the policies, review whether there's reserves or not. Right. If you're doing a bigger acquisition and you've got workers' compensation that you're self-insuring, um, is there a claim out there that I need to go, you know, uncover and make sure we understand what the liabilities are that we're inheriting? So, I, I like to say the short answer is it's insurance due diligence, but it's really evaluating risk management on a very holistic level, which is kind of the whole point of an entire due diligence stream. Right? It's mm -hmm. analyzing risk across all of the different work streams. Yeah, definitely. So tell me more about Hayes Companies and Brown and & Brown and the kind of clients that you're serving right now. Yeah. 
So, uh, like I said, the partnership with Brown and Brown was forged in late 2018. You know, we were very heavy focused. Our footprint was more Midwest and, and some on the coast. Um, a lot of the synergies have been on the revenue side of things where, you know, they're tapping into our expertise and we're tapping into their, their expertise as mm. well mm-hmm. um, throughout the insurance marketplace. But our business is primarily middle market. We do a lot of public companies and so we can compete with the larger insurance brokers of the world, but we also do a lot of that middle market private family businesses. So mm. businesses that have that 20 million to 100 million is, is something that I work on a lot. Um, on the other hand, I have you know clients in my portfolio that are multi-billions. So we, we work with a wide range of, of companies. So let's talk about private business because you know the majority of the people who listen to this, this show are business owners of privately held companies. What do they need to know about the current insurance marketplace? Things have changed. You know, we're in 2021. We're hopefully coming out of a pandemic. You know, there's a lot that we could be packing into that question. But, you know, tell us about what you're seeing and, and what you're recommending there. Yeah, this is this is um, a question that I could go on probably 10 different avenues. So I'll start by saying, mm-hmm. in general, the insurance marketplace was hardening, heading into, you know, from 2019 to 2020. We were seeing premiums increase, uh, deductibles and retentions increase, and mm-hmm. um, then COVID happened. And so we, we were seeing that slide in the mar- marketplace heading into COVID, and then, you know, there were a lot more people working from home. So you can imagine from a remote work environment, there's a lot more risk from cybersecurity, mm-hmm. ransomware, um, and just cyber attacks in general, right? So a- as we saw that, we're seeing significant claims. Well, what happens then? You know, claims turn into additional premium that the carriers need to charge in order to make a profit on their book of business. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's just one small example where we've seen, you know, whether it's COVID or just the marketplace in general, things are, are increasing. So as a business owner, uh, are you getting that education on a regular basis? Because it is very fluid. And that's just one example. You know, there's employment practices, there's um, property markets hardening everything across the board, high level is, is hardening right now. So what are you doing to differentiate yourself in the marketplace? Yeah. And so with regard to particular client stories, when you're, when we're talking about, I like to tell stories and I know you do too. So maybe you could share a particular story that kind of illustrates that. For example, um, you know, I mentioned that different uh, companies sizes are getting hit differently. Different industries are getting hit. Mm -hmm. Um, one in particular, there was a property program, and um, let's just say, for example, high level, there's a $200 million of property coverage that they need to have in place. And you, you build it in layers, and so maybe your first layers, you know, $10 million or $20 million. Um, and in this particular example, there was one that had over $100 million in that highest layer. layer. As we were getting ready to, to go to market, uh, we were informed that that carrier no longer had an appetite. And so they simply pulled out of the marketplace altogether. Oh, my. What does that do, right? You know, we can go, we had to go scramble and piece together a bunch of different smaller Mm. layers, which obviously increases the pricing. Sure. And so I think if you're putting your underwriter hat on, you're getting a submission and you're turning around and saying, okay, my price last year was X, but this year it's X times 20%. Mm. And then you see that the clients and the insurers are actually taking it. And then the next time you say, well, maybe it's X times 40%, 40%, right? And so I'm, I'm seeing this spiraling or this, this sliding of the marketplace that's continued throughout 2020 mm. and into 2021. So 
we're, we're hoping that at some point the people that have pulled out of the market in terms of the capacity put up are going to come back to the table because the rates are going to be so high that, you know, it's a supply and demand curve. Mm-hmm. As there's less capacity, uh, the prices are going up and then people come back into the market and they start charging more reasonable rates and, and the market slides back down. So, yeah, fewer carriers. Um, so are you saying then that we can be looking for continued increases in our business insurance regardless of the type of coverage? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think high level. Again, if I go to the auto industry, you know, they were experiencing in- increases for the last five or six years just because of distracted driving. And so that's going to continue. And you'd like to think, well, there's less people on the roads with COVID and people working from home. Mm-hmm. But the reality is the data hasn't shown that there's been a big decrease. So sure. that's another example. It's hard to, hard to put that, you know, generality out there that all insurances are going to continue to increase. Um, I think workers' comp is kind of one that's that's flattened out a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> At least we have that bright spot, right? <laughs> yeah. We have to have insurance, though. I mean, I think about all of these businesses that didn't have proper coverage, and they learned after the fact that they didn't have the proper coverage, and that's a tough lesson to learn. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because that's that's usually how um, we earn our new business is we'll come in and say, look, forget about a transaction, just a normal operating business. Let us take a look at your program Mm -hmm. and ask the right questions. What we find is a lot of our, a lot of companies that don't have that annual or semi-annual dialogue with their insurance broker, it's just a lack of communication. Hey, I did a build out over on this building and I didn't tell somebody. And so now there's a gap in coverage. Uh, So we we're proactive in that regard. You know, we kind of sometimes have to Mm -hmm. pull teeth to get our clients to come to the table and open up the dialogue. Mm -hmm. But really it's, it's a communication thing. If yeah. you keep the communication lines open, your insurance broker should be able to get the get the coverage in place that you need. So we provide that, you know, we call it a, a policy audit where yes. we come in and do that and make sure you got all the corners covered that you think you have. That is super important. And that is part of the work that I do as an exit planner is to make sure that we have the types of coverages that we need. Um, and I, I've, I could tell you a couple stories. I don't want to take time to do it right now, but um, honestly... That is one of the most overlooked parts of exit planning among exit planners. For whatever reason, it, it's it, it should be more important than than what you know. A lot not a lot of people are really paying attention to it, and so I'm I'm calling it out right now. That's why we're talking about it right now because of the experiences that I've had too with business owners. And you know, the two that I'm thinking of right now were just in the nick of time. They weren't after the fact, fortunately. But I'm sure that you've seen many. Over the years, right? That yeah, you could have saved if if we had only if, known. if you were there. Well, yeah. and on one hand, if we had only known that there was a transaction coming, right. maybe we would look at the world differently. I'd, I'd like to think that all of my clients get the same level of diligence and detail. Um, but the fact of the matter is, when you are going through due diligence, you know those buyers are going to be requesting loss runs, and they're going to be re- requesting contracts and looking at how you run your business and how you evaluate risk and then how you mitigate risk. Insurance is just one of the tools to mitigate risk, right? Mm -hmm. You can retain it and self-insure. You can do a lot of other things. But as you're having those conversations, I feel like I've seen some instances where a seller will just say, I put a lot of trust in in my insurance broker. Uh, And then I've seen other instances where the seller is talking to the buyer and they're really getting into a discussion about risk management philosophy. And obviously the latter looks much more put together. And I think it establishes 
you know, better rapport when you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and you know what your costs are and what your strategy is, right? And you're not just outsourcing that type of a, a of an arrangement. So, plus from a buyer's perspective, that probably in their mind increases the value of the enterprise itself, right? When we know that there are proper coverages, then that means that we may not have, you know, issues with, you know, future litigation or, you know, I mean, it, it's a myriad of things, right? We could go on and on. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's talk about reps and warranties insurance. That's not something that you hear about very often, but when we're talking about transactions, that's part of it. Yeah. And I think it's becoming more and more common. I think, you know, 10 years ago, buyer and seller would get together and seller would make a bunch of representations and warranties in the purchase agreement and throughout the process. And then buyer would say, okay, that's great. I'm still going to make it escrow 10% in case some liabilities pop up. And, you know, seller would say, well, that's too, too bad. I don't want to put 10% on the sidelines, number one, and, and be exposed to potentially decreasing my purchase price. And, and then I think it began to gain traction about, you know, 10, maybe more years ago where uh, you could put a policy in place over the reps and warranties that were made that would allow for either no escrow or just a smaller amount of escrow for mm-hmm. some other, you know, identified liabilities. Mm. So right now, I think it's pretty common. I think that the sticking point where you may not see it very much is on smaller transactions. So mm-hmm. right now, the underwriting process is the carriers will come to the table and do a full underwriting, and they're going to review your legal diligence report, your tax diligence report, your quality, quality of earnings report, and usually they're going to demand those be done by external advisors. So if you're dealing with a transaction where somebody's buying a company and they're doing it themselves, it's a smaller deal, mm-hmm. they don't want to incur all of those other professional costs, then it's going to be a harder time for the carrier to underwrite it. So that inherently leads to, it's got to be a big enough transaction where there's going to be a lot of diligence done. Um, and typically I would say that's a $20 million and above transaction is where, you know, high level, we can do smaller, but uh, 20 million and above certainly makes sense. And are you involved in that analysis? Yep. In that outside work? Okay. Yep. So let's talk about your role. Uh, so I personally focus more on the insurance due diligence and kind of the blocking and tackling and looking at policies and benefit plans. But I have a whole team that's dedicated towards, you know, reviewing reps and warranties. Typically, it's a buyer's policy because the buyer is going to be putting the policy in place to cover seller's representations and warranties. But if you have a lot of listeners that are considering exit in the next couple of years, that's probably one thing they could do is if they're putting together a SIM or some sort of a document to go out to market, they can make it an expectation that reps and warranties is going to be purchased as part of the transaction. Mm. And they can put a stake in the ground so that, you know, buyers know that's a part of the expectation. A lot of times there's a lot of horse trading and there's so many different moving pieces when you're negotiating a deal that if you put that down in writing and just make it an expectation, I think that's a good first step. And so in those cases, our team can actually go talk to carriers and get indicative pricing for you. And so you know what it's going to cost. And so Mm -hmm. a buyer knows you've done your homework and are that much more educated um, on the process. Okay. So there's that strategy when we're talking about an exit, okay, or a business transition. What are some of the thoughts that you have for business owners about being well positioned aside from that strategy when it comes to an exit? I would say just do your homework on a regular basis. Um, What does that mean, though, homework? Yeah, I think it means make sure you know what your cost, total cost of risk is, right? Like I said, there's many different ways to deal with risk. You can Mm -hmm. retain it. You can increase or decrease deductibles, retentions. 
premium is one really big number that just hits the P&L and is easy for people to see. But if I'm going to be selling to a strategic and I have almost no retention and they're going to be acquiring me and they, they retain a lot of that risk, right? Are there some synergies there that really as a seller, I should try and take advantage of, right? If my, my premium that hits the P&L is a million dollars and post acquisition, that run rate would be half a million. Well, half a million dollars on a six or seven multiple is a meaningful number, right? You should understand mm-hmm. what that might look like. And are there synergies built into the insurance expense? Probably more so a topic for employee benefits, because mm-hmm. if they are self-insured and you're fully insured, could you, you know, potentially take advantage of some of those synergies? I have seen those discussions where they think that the employee benefits costs are going to drop by a million dollars post transaction. And so, you know, shouldn't seller get credit for some of those synergies too. Mm, Sure. Absolutely. That's another whole conversation I think that we should have in the future. But uh, for now, could you just, what are a couple of things, you know, I, I ask my, my guests all the time, you know, give us a couple things, a couple takeaways, things that um, people can do right now. Is yeah, it- so I said a couple times throughout the conversation, do your homework, get educated. Yes. We would love to help be part of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get paid primarily on a commission basis, so we would come in and review policies and have that risk management discussion with you. Um, and the only investment is really your time and some learning and education along the way. So to me, that would be worth it for a business owner or um, somebody looking to exit at some point or somebody just running a business and growing the business. Right. The other thing I would say is even if you have a trusted advisor, like I said, do your homework and understand the insurance, uh, whether you're planning an exit now or in the future. Um, most successful business owners I know have a good handle on what their strategy is, not mm-hmm. just what's hitting the P&L. And for those who are listening, who are thinking about a future acquisition, because there are plenty of those you know, business owners out there, um, conversely, right, having that conversation well ahead ahead of time, um, talking to someone like you, um, you know, putting that whole pro forma, if you will, together to kind of have a picture of what they can expect and, and where they can mitigate risk. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. that's where you come in, the bigger yeah. picture. Right. Big picture person. Joe, share with us real quick how we can get a hold of you. Uh, a couple ways. Phone number, my cell phone is 612-919-4513. Or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. It's Joe Hausman. Hausman does not have an E in it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, You can find this episode, as always, at the Poised for Exit website. That's poisedforexit.com. You can also get a copy of my book there, Poised for Exit. Please share this program with your business owner friends and colleagues. We really appreciate it. And we hope you can join us again next time.